I see y'all over there. I, uh, we're, what we're going to have is June 30th, at the end of June, we're going to have a missions lunch. And so there's going to be a team going to Myanmar. Um, and so they're going to have a fundraising lunch. Um, if you have any questions or you, you want to know more, um, talk to Pam Piggy because um, she'll be heading that up. So that'll be in the cafeteria on June 30th. Mark your calendars. All right. Speaking of eating, we have uh, our couples. It says dinner, but I think it's actually lunchtime. It's a lunch, okay? Couples lunch, July 27th. Mark your calendar for this. We already have tickets for sale. In fact, you can see my lovely wife out in the foyer after service today. It's $25 per couple, but the food is amazing. And yes, we will be playing some games and stuff like that like we have before. And then most importantly, we'll have fellowship time as couples and to be able to focus. Focus on that. We do have childcare, and that's going to be actually on campus. So if you need childcare, we need you to sign up for that. Okay, so ladies, you know the men's had their advance, you know, but we have a retreat. We get to sit back and relax. All right, come on, ladies. Woo! Okay. So the ladies retreat, it's our annual retreat and it is so powerful. I've come back with such amazing testimonies from the ladies retreat. So I, we don't want you to miss this. It's actually going to be an overnight one. We had one just one day last year. This is going to be overnight. It's September 27th and 28th. So you can actually, is there a picture for that? Oh, maybe not. Yes, it's this. Hey. <laughs> Well, just keep in mind, you can register today for that. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be so awesome, so filling. All right. Where are the Silver Saints? Hey. All right. Silver Saints. Uh, A week from today, they're having a potluck. That's the 23rd, right after church in the cafeteria. Please go out to the foyer if you want to be a part and sign up to bring a dish. That way there's plenty of food, all right? Yeah, it's going to be a feast. Okay. So I have something actually really special to talk to you guys about. Um, So uh, in the summer, a lot of times people are traveling and, you know, going places and, you know, going on mission trips, a lot of that. And so there's, there's a little bit of pocket that we need help in with the children's ministry. And so if any of you have ever had a spark like, hey, you know, I think I do really well with kids or I really enjoy time spending Uh, like teaching kids, then I encourage you, don't let anything stop you from that. Um, God is calling you to children. (laughs) Just putting that out there. Uh, He he wants us to always be investing in future generations and to be, and, and they're not just the future of the church. They are the now church. And so by investing and pouring out into the children now, you're actually investing into the church, the present church right now. Um, So you have what it takes. Don't be worried. They're, they're not going to bite. Sometimes they might. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's, yeah, they're, they're worth investing in. So if, you, if you're if you interested, talk to Amber Seal about it. Yeah? Sounds good. All right. With a whole 40 minutes, welcome, Yay. Tim. <laughs> 45. Just for the record. All right. Whoa. Where's the church? I guess... Some of them decided Father's Day was a good day to sleep in, but they missed out. So, awesome. Hey, can I just say this? If, if you just heard that announcement about children and you thought to yourself, I'm not good with kids, I know that's a lie. It doesn't mean that you have to be called to kids all the time to serve kids. Elizabeth and I 
Actually, the first thing we ever did, we were the children's pastors at a church. And we were like, hey, we're not very good at this. And they were like, cool, we need it. And then the Lord was like, and I'll anoint you to do it if you say yes. And so uh, really what we were saying is we have three teachers for the summer. And we need people. So, because oftentimes we make announcements like that, people are like, oh, it's, they're not talking to me. We're talking exactly to you today. And and I remember my dad told me a story once when the church first started. Uh, they couldn't get any children's workers, so he went in and did the children. And they came in and like, hey, what's going on? And he said, well, we couldn't get anyone to do the children, so I'm doing it. And they were like, well, who's preaching? I don't know, I'm doing the children. He was setting a precedence for the house. That service is an overflow of your love for God. And so just want to encourage you all to do that. All right. How many enjoyed Sid this morning? Yeah, it was just, it was so good just to have a fresh voice in the house. Just loving on Jesus and leading us to love on Jesus. And I just, as I was down there, I just felt like the Lord just said, you're going to bless him. Because he's blessing you right now. And so I just felt like the Lord just wanted me to share this with you. I just heard that this is a season of aligning. And that there's been, uh, there's been some areas in your life that you have promises that the natural has not aligned to. And I just heard the Lord say to declare over you that now those promises and the natural are going to begin to align. And you're going to begin to sense and know the goodness and the love of God by things shifting in your life that begin to align to the very purpose and destiny that God has called you to. And the Lord just wants you to know the delay has actually been from the enemy, not from him. And he's just declaring today that the end of the delay, it's the end of delay. That it is now time for it to break forth and the destiny and purpose. And I actually felt like I saw a picture of you when you were like eight years old and the Lord giving you something and you have not seen it yet. And the Lord just says, that's yours. Hold on to it. Fight with everything you have for it. God says, it's yours and you can have it. And he wants to let you know as a dad today, he says, I have your back and I have you and I'm for you in Jesus name. Amen. All right, well, we're going to get going here today. I had, I had something prepared, really didn't have anything to do with Father's Day. I've just been, we, actually, we were in Thessalonians. How many of you just enjoyed that with Thessalonians last week? And we were just, and that's, that's not often how the Lord just lands the plane for me. And we just begin to work through Thessalonians there. And I was, and Tom was like, hey, you should just keep going. And I was like, yeah, I think I am. I'm just going to get into rejoicing the Lord always and and, you know, don't despise prophecy and all these just awesome things that were there in Thessalonians. Don't worry, Dad, we're not going there. And, and the Lord was like, you didn't ask me what we're doing. And I was like, oh, we're going to First Thessalonians. He's like, well, I'm not. And so I just began to just lay before the Lord this week and then say, okay, well, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? And I felt like he wanted me to talk about the impartation of fathers and the, the, the necessity of fathers in our lives and the necessity of for, for breakthroughs and for wins and for the destiny on your life, you have to be willing to turn your lives to fathers. And, and you know that Malachi actually says this. It says that he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And oftentimes we think about that, you know, the, oh, the hearts of the fathers. But the children ought to have to turn their hearts to the fathers. 
And God is actually doing that right now. Why? Because he is looking for a healthy church. And the reason that's in Malachi is it's actually beginning to prophesy over what the new covenant is going to look like. And it's saying we have been in a law-based, rule-based society, but we're moving into family. And the only way that can happen is the hearts of the fathers be turned to the children and the children to the fathers. And so we have to begin to understand that. And, and so turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We're just going to start here. And then I'll just warn you, I'm actually going to share a lot more personal things than I usually share today. Um, I'm just going to weave the word in and out of it, and I think it's going to be a good day. But 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this. It says, even though you have 10,000 guardians or teachers, it says in the King James, in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have become your father through the gospel. So Paul is saying, listen, in order for you Corinthians to be everything you need to be, you don't need anyone to teach you anything else. You need to introduce fathers into your life for which I am one because of the call of God on my life as as as, as a father in the faith. And he begins to tell them, what is he saying? Listen, we can get trapped in the idea that the more I know, the better I will become at something. Oh, it got quiet. Because that's something we can do in the natural. But only in the supernatural can things be imparted to you. And fathers impart. Fathers impart to us. They give us, they do more than teach us. Yes, like Chris said, they do dad stuff. Like teach us how to drive and balance our accounts and all those things. But the truth is, what you really retain from fathers is impartation. It's who you become. They actually begin to determine the strength and the, and the vitality of where you're going. I wrote this down. Fathers impart who they are, not only what they know. Fathers impart who they are. And now let me just break down some things right now. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, I have not had that in my life and I don't like where this is headed, I want to tell you, you're going to get it today. So don't shut down. Please don't shut down. Because all of us have a father need in our life. Those that had great fathers and those that had no fathers. All of us have a father need and that's why the Father God said, I am coming to you as Father. Why? He was relating this into the very thing that we needed. Listen to this example in Romans 1.11. Paul says this. He says, I can't wait to come to you. He's talking to the church in Rome that he's never been to yet. He says, I can't wait to come and impart to you spiritual gifts to make you strong. What he was saying is, I know that you have have a knowledge of Christ. I know that you've come to a revelation of who Jesus is, but now I want to come to you as a father and give you what you need to make you strong. It's so important that we understand that it's necessary. See, we have to understand that the word strong right there is a twofold word. It first of all means this, it means to make you stable or have a foundation to which he can build on. The father is wanting to come put things in us the Father God, He has fathers all around the body of Christ that are He's wanting you to allow to put things into you to make you strong. To make you firm. The word can be translated strong, foundational, steadfast, all those things. He wants to put that in your life. Now that doesn't sound very glamorous. Why? Because you don't see the foundation of a building. But this building not standing without this concrete. 
Listen, I'm working on a house right now for the church that someone gave us. Thank you, Jesus. The foundation had problems. So it didn't matter what you did on top to paint, spackle, caulk. It didn't matter because it needed some Jesus in the foundation. It needed some strength being imparted into it. It needed new beams. It needed new new concrete blocks. It needed all those things. Why? Because God is wanting to make us strong. And we've talked about strength like it's something that we will eventually attain to when I want to tell you it's on the inside of you. And He's looking for fathers to come impart to you and it will actually stir up the very things that God has. But the second way that word can be translated is actually affirmed or to make firm. Or confirm. Fathers affirm. They affirm what's going on in your life. They affirm you to believing you when you do not have the belief system yet to believe in yourself. Jesus, having never done anything, I don't believe the Apocrypha, I don't believe He did miracles, I don't believe He turned little, little things of dough into doves, I believe He had never once done a miracle yet and the Father affirmed Him. Why? Because the affirmation of the Father is not about what we do, but it's about who we are. And the Father began to speak from heaven when Jesus was baptized and says, This is my Son whom I love. You know, for years I never heard that statement. As I, this is my Son whom I'm well pleased. But it starts with love. This is my Son whom I love and I'm well pleased with Him. He had never done anything yet for the kingdom of God except to live an obedient life. But the Father began to affirm Him. Why? Because it was now time to be the Messiah. And it wasn't enough for Mary and Joseph. God the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my Son whom I love, and I'm well pleased. He was setting the course for the next three years. And that's what fathers do. Y'all with me? Y'all got to be a little more noisy today. There's less of you. Alright, so I'm going to share a little bit of my journey about fathers. I think one of the, the greatest things that the Father has, that has done for me is he, and for Elizabeth is He put a lot of fathers in our lives. And I think in Proverbs 11.14, can you just throw that up there? Proverbs 11.14. It says, For lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. And, and I think we just want to be a people who open our hearts to fathers in our lives. For fathers. There's another one that just it just says, you will fail if you don't have many advisors. And so, I, I, I'm going to share a story. I'm actually going to share about five natural fathers. Or supernatural, however you want to look at that. And so the first one, hey, can you just throw that picture up there for me? That's me in the red. That's some guy over there in the yellow. No one recognizes him without being the silver fox. But the man on your far left is my grandfather. I called him granddaddy. That's my dad's dad, Willis Glenn Darnell. The man in the middle is Tom Capel. That's my mom's dad. When I begin to, actually, they, they started this whole deal today. Because as I just begin to think about fathers in my life and what God has done, and just leave that picture up there. I just began to think, what did I get from these guys? Besides legacy, spiritual heritage, both of them were deacons in the Baptist church their whole lives. They loved Jesus and were never afraid to tell you or anyone they were around. 
But as, I, as I've had this crazy two weeks of working at this house, I begin to just ponder, God, you know, what did these guys impart to me? What I didn't tell you is that they were both union workers. One was a pipe fitter. That was my mom's dad. You can't tell, but he only has half a thumb in one of those pictures. And the other one worked at Texaco his whole life. Say, well, that's not very much spiritual heritage. I want to tell you that they imparted to me the value of hard work. But I also want to tell you they imparted to me the vision of what hard work will bring. Click with me to Proverbs 28.19. Proverbs 28.19 says this. It says, He who works his land will have abundant food. But the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. And I, I feel like in, a, in, in this generation, we have to understand that there's such a pursuit of your passions and your gifts and your, and your dreams and all these things, and we've forgotten that all of those come with hard work. Every one of them. Every purpose from God, every destiny in your life has an avenue that will only get there by you working hard. I didn't say your hard work is the proof of it. I said it is your partnership. It is your partnership with God that says, I see these things and the calls and the, and the things in my life and I will choose to work hard for them. And, and hard work, I just want to tell you, is hard to find these days. Find people that are like, whoo, I had a hard day, three hours. I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, whoo, I sweated a little today. Yeah. But I also want to tell you that it wasn't all work with those two guys. They love to tinker. They both love their shops. I think about their shops, and I'm thinking, man, I would have had a heyday in there. Welders, all these things. Why? Because their hard work turned into a place of learning how to be with the Lord and just relax. Sometimes we get so caught up in our work, we forget to enjoy it. And they imparted that to me. They imparted a place of hard work. Listen, we have people that love us and hate us for our work ethic around here. Why? Because there's some people who have no value for hard work. Like, well, God's going to do that. Yeah, He is. He's going to do it through us. And so I just want to tell you, there's an impartation that's going to go out today of just a value of hard work. I, I could go on and on about them. You know, they gave us an inheritance because of that hard work. They set the course of our life with that hard work. They gave us houses to their grandkids. Houses. They gave us college money that we didn't have to go into debt. Why? Because they valued hard work and they got to live the fantasy. It's only the one who chases fantasy and doesn't work that doesn't get what they're believing for. But these guys believed worked hard, and got to give. I remember my grandfather, my mom's dad, one time we're at the bank, and he goes, I can't believe I'm going to get to give you something to my children's children. Why, he was living the dream because of his value for hard work. Y'all good? Number two, this guy over here, blue shirt. It's my dad. This one was harder. There's a lot of them. I chose two. What did he impart to me? He filled me with destiny. He filled me with destiny. Those of you know the story, I wasn't supposed to be born. Surprise, here I am. I'm born early. I'm not going to make it. Doctors are telling them, if you believe in child baptism, having baptized, it's not going to happen. And the Lord spoke a scripture to my dad. I have heard him preach on this scripture 
over 50 times. That's what you get when you are the son of a traveling minister. They preach the same thing a lot. But it was God's plan. Because every time he read this verse, let me read the first one first. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man, Psalms 112, is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. God asked him, you fear me? Yes. You love my word? Yes. Then here's your promise. Verse 2. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. And God began to speak to him and say, hey, because you've done these things, I'm going to make your seed mighty. Oh, and it's going to, he's going to bless the generation he lives in because of your belief system. And as my dad would stand and tell that story and talk about the destiny of God, and he was doing it in a broad sense. He was never preaching to me. He was telling people, God is good, and he's for you, and he wants to save your kids and rescue your life. But for me, all I was hearing is, you're mighty, you're mighty, you're mighty, you're mighty. Come on, girl. And when God began to speak to me about it, that was never a hard thing to believe. Why? Because it had come to me over and over and over again that you're mighty. So the discipline and all the other craziness and the things that I didn't like about the church began to fade away. And guess what stuck? Hey, you're made to change the world. You're mighty. You're mighty. Not, hey, you're broken and you did these things and we're going to have to ground you and paddle you a lot. All those didn't stick. You know what stuck? You're mighty. And it was an impartation that didn't just come from dad. It came from mom. She would rub my back and be like, that's you, that's you. You're mighty. You're full of destiny. Don't don't think, oh, I don't want to set my kids up for failure. Give them something giant to shoot at. There was some pressure when you read the part of the verse that you're going to bless an entire generation. God, how do you do that? Oh, that takes me. You should hand them something that requires God. To do it. Hand them more than the idea of college and paying their bills and buying a house and paying for two cars and having some kids. Hand them more than that. Hand them something that infuses their spirit. And you're like, God, how do we do that? He's like, We're going to do it together, big guy. Me and you. Because it's been my plan from the beginning. And when I begin to think about how God had determined to bring me at a certain time in revival, in the goodness of God, it began to spark me, I'm born in revival. Oh, by the way, I'm ruined for revival. Do you think we're ever going to play church here? We will not. And it's because of impartation. It's because of, it's more than just, oh, that's a good theory. That is an idea that is so imparted in me that I would not be up here. If it wasn't for the place of destiny and revival. Thanks, Dad. Real quick, the second thing he gave me was that purpose is greater than our plan. We never chose the easy road. We never chose the glamorous road. We never chose numbers. We never chose money. We always chose purpose in our family. And when God said, hey, I want you to go on the road and I want you to do this little TV show about the God's great outdoors because there's outdoorsmen that don't know me and I want to love on them. Dad said, yes. If you know my dad, the idea of a video camera and microphones is craziness. Like a TV show. What? No. But we always said yes to purpose. Give up the big church. Move back to Texas. Tim's got to find him a wife. Find purpose. Find Elizabeth. 
He won't make it without her. That's the truth. What am I saying? We always chose purpose and it got us to where we needed to go. If we've been choosing our plans, listen, many are the plans of a heart of a man. But it's only God's purpose that prevails. I know so many people are mad because their plans haven't happened. And I always tell them, you've got to find God's purpose. Because it's the only thing that prevails. Like, well, I had all these plans. That's the problem. They were your plans. What well, was God in it? All right, I got 20 minutes. I got to hurry. The next father that God brought in our life was Dennis Davis Goldsworthy. He's a crazy prophet from England. When we were 17 years old, and I, let me just tell you, I was not okay with the church. I was not okay with how it looked. I was not okay with what it, how, what it smelled like mostly. I was not okay with it looking dead, and I sure did not like it. And God was like, I love, I, want, I love my church. I want you to go minister there. I'm like, what? No. And so at 17, Elizabeth actually went to Christ for the nations. And Lisa, my mother-in-law, took me to this little hole in the wall in San Antonio in the strip center. And a man stood up and began to prophesy to me the desires of my heart. He prophesied things I didn't even know how to put into words. He prophesied promises to me, including the very thing he said, you're mighty and you've been called mighty from birth. And I said, now that's the power I'm looking for. And over the next 10 to 12 years, Dennis poured into me and Elizabeth as a spiritual dad. Was everything perfect? Nope. Was it awesome? Oh, yeah. God just loved on us and poured into us and Dennis Began to, he took this son's class. And it, the main three that went there were me and Chris Rhodes and Elizabeth. You all know Chris Rhodes. Wild man for Jesus. Right? His hand never stops doing this when he's preaching. Why? Because Jesus is coming out of that right hand. Why? Because we were fathered. We were in Bible school and we're learning more at Old Town Buffet on Saturday morning. As Dennis opened up the scriptures and talked about the kingdom of God. He taught us to be passionate for the kingdom of God. He imparted a passion for the body of Christ because it's part of the kingdom of God. He imparted a passion for the kingdom, but most of all, he imparted a passion for the king. A passion I had never seen before. It was full out abandoned and sometimes crazy. And it was always good. Even when it looked a little wild. He taught us about Matthew 6.33 to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And it wrecked us. I'm going to tell you, without that impartation, we never come here. Because it was an impartation of it doesn't have to make sense. It has to be God. The other thing He imparted to us was the Word of the Lord. To expect it, to live in it, and to live from it. It became, it was never a show about the word of the Lord. It was what we lived from. We were expecting the word of the Lord every day. We were expecting the word of the Lord every service. We were expecting the word of the Lord to come to us and tell us why. Because we're his sheep and we know his voice. And by the way, the shepherd speaks. And it's not just about prophecy. It's about this place of knowing him and hearing him and living from the word that he has for you. It changed us. It made this whole thing come alive for me. It went from a book to a love story to a compass. It's not a road map. It's a compass. 
I'm going to tell you, you have to have the impartation of the word of the Lord to expect it, to live in it, and to live from it. Changed our lives. Number four, Tom Ray. When God brought us here, he brought us to a totally different kind of father. One slower to make decisions, which was good for us. One that was diligent in prayer. But most of all, Tom always had this thing about the pursuit of Jesus. And we did too, so it clicked. But this is what Tom imparted to me. The importance of making room for the next generation. He made room for us when it didn't look like there was room. Instead of saying, hey, go capture a different mountain, he said, let's work on this mountain together. He understood legacy. Even when we didn't understand it, we got right in the middle of it accidentally, right? Because when your heart is good, God will drop you right into something you don't know anything about. Amen? What am I saying? You don't have to understand everything to get right in the goodness of God. Listen to this verse. This is Isaiah 39.8. This is about Hezekiah. I don't have time to go into all the things, but we know that Hezekiah was dying. God promised him more years. And then Hezekiah really blew it at the end of his life. And the reason why was, this is what Hezekiah said. It says, the word of the Lord, this is Isaiah 39.8. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. But he thought, there will be peace and security in my lifetime. What he was saying is, I don't care about the next generation as long as it doesn't affect me. As long as it doesn't affect me, as long as there's peace and it's easy when I'm alive, then that's what I want. And true fathers say, I'll take the heat so that my kids can run farther and have room. It's an impartation that's got to go into you that always determines, I know that someone's fighting for me. And Tom Ray, you did that for us. You had a vision for legacy and what it looked like to do something different. We didn't always know. It was messy. Most of the time we just sat in the room and just said, I don't know what God's doing. But we always said, but we know he's going to do this. And he got us there. And it was impartation. So what are we going to do? I just want to say, Tom, with that, we will always honor you. We'll always make room for the ones behind us. We will always make room. Last natural father, then we're going to do the father. But about eight, almost ten years ago now, God brought David and Deb Crone into our lives. Ten this month, right? And they, you know the story, we read a book. Somebody got a book. God told them, give that to Tim. That's for him, not for you. They handed me the book. I read it. It undead me. I was like, oh my goodness. I need to talk to these people. I called them said, hey, could we order some more books? And he says, God spoke to me and said, what do you need? And I said, I guess 10 books. I mean, sometimes we're slow. And he said, I'll send you the 10 books for free. What do you need? What I didn't know is I needed him. I needed someone who would impart the importance of belief in people beyond what they can see in themselves. Dave constantly called us into who we were. Constantly gave us vision for who we were when it was hard he never even talked about when it was hard he just said this is where we're going this is what you're doing this is who you are keep going don't give up you gotta have people like that in your life it's an impartation it's not some frilly set of words it's something going on the inside of you that's changing your destiny because we begin to believe it 
And it began to change how we were acting. It began to change how we were seeing the world. It was seeing our world. How many know sometimes how you see your world is wrong? And you need other people outside of your world sometimes to say, no, this is, it's good. Keep going. He imparted a belief in us. Say, well, I thought you had that from the beginning. Listen, the enemy does not like the promises of God. And he will constantly be on warfare to take them from you. And you've got to have people that will remind you who you are. Second thing, he taught us that hope is not optional, nor is it weak. I think I always thought of hope kind of like wishing. And wishing is weak, right? Like, I wish there would be world peace. That's weak. The world can wish. Like, I wish the Spurs won the the championship, right? It wasn't going to happen. Why? Because Kawhi. Hey, Kawhi, that was for you. But we have to understand the difference between wishing and hope. And Dave imparted something to us, not in theory, but as we watched it in their life, dictate everything they did. Why? Because from the time we talked to them to the time we showed up in California, their daughter had died in Deb's arms in the garage. And when we got there, no one told us. We didn't even know what they looked like. We show up and these people begin to love us and talk to us and encourage us. About day two, I said, I leaned over to Elizabeth. I, I said, I think something happened. Oh, it's just the death of their daughter. And I'm like, I've got to be like these people because they're not rolling around on the ground in sorrow. There's something great coming out of them. Were they grieving? Yes. Were they hurting? Yes. Were they overcoming? At the highest level. And it began to impart something, not just to me, but to Elizabeth. It was like, we will be like these people. And I thought of the verse where Paul said, hey, if you don't know what to look like, you can look like me. Imitate me. If you don't know what hope is, get right here in my coat and I'll teach you and I'll give you awesome coats. And I'll tell you how much I love you. And I'll tell you that hope is not weak. It's powerful. Because from it comes faith. And we have lost the idea. We've like, I've got to have faith. I've got to have faith. I've got to get in faith. And we've worked so hard to get in faith. We've missed faith completely. Because God's saying, I just need you to hope in me. And from hope, where does faith come? From hope. Let me read you a scripture. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Something began to happen in me where I began to realize, if I will respond in hope to every situation, it will cause me to what? It will cause me to have joy, peace, and trust in Him, and it will cause me to overflow in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is not weak. Nor has it ever disappointed, Romans 5.5. 5. Say, well, I've, I've hoped. No, that might have been a wish, but I'm talking about a hope in God. A hope in who He is. It was an impartation that came into us from both Dave and Deb. Last one, most important. What's His name? Jehovah. Yahweh. The Father. To whom our hearts cry, Abba, Father, right? He had all these fathers in my life. But the one I had to have Speaking to me over and over was Daddy God. 
For me, he had to take it out of some big business contract or God's plan. See, the bigness of God's plan to me somehow removed the love when I was little. Because it was all set. Here we go. We're going through it. We're on the journey. Yes, sir. I'll work hard. I'll do it. Whatever you say. Yeah, it was a little bit even robotic. It was passion, but there was moments where it's like, if we just work hard, it will happen. Oh, we got to keep the rules. I have a million impartations from the Father I could talk about. But the main impartation that I know God is wanting to give away in here today like crazy is this, is that unconditional love. Unconditional, never-ending love. Because no human can give you unconditional love. Say, well, what about... Yes, I believe God's working on it in all of us. But to the fullness of what God is doing... The only one that can give you the unconditional love you need is the Father God. The only one that can answer every question in your heart. Because listen, I'm now removing false responsibility off of fathers. You don't have to have every answer. You don't have to be the answer. You don't have to be in control. You don't have to pick their wife. You don't have to do those things. Why? Because it got messy in the 80s with the revelation of Father. Did it? People mowing people's yards and picking people's wives. That's not the role of fathers. The role of fathers is love. And the only one that can give us the love we need is the Father God. And I I was like, man, I just remember in my early 30s, I've been pursuing the Lord heavy for 13 years. And one day, sitting in a little green office over there, God says, I'm about to wreck your world. He says, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And he said, put the Bible away. Now, if that bothers your theology, the problem is, is I knew the Bible. I needed to know the Father. And he began to speak to me. I, I know one day I was sitting there laying there and he said, you don't know what unconditional love is because you're always working for my love. And when you mess up, you think you don't have it. Is that I'm going to give it to you over and over and over. I'm going to prove it to you in this season. What season is that? The rest of your life. I'm going to prove it to you over and over and over again. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to tell you how much I love you. And I'm going to affirm you. I'm going to heal all those broken places that you and the enemy have created. Your flesh and what the enemy wanted to do to it. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to make you whole. Ain't going to be surgery sometimes. And it's going to be love songs sometimes. Did you hear me? Not all roses. Sometimes it's surgery. Because you got to get abscess out. You got to get brokenness out. You got to dig, you got to let him dig that junk out. And you're like, what in God's name are you doing? He's like, I'm making you whole. I'm making you perfect. I'm making you a vessel that can receive what I have already given you. What did it do for me? Scott Money Hun read a verse in that yellow carpeted gymnasium over there. It wrecked my world. First John 3, 1. How great is His love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And as He began to lavish that love all over me, it began to destroy fear. I lived in an internal world of fear. Fear of failure. Fear of loss. Fear of trying too hard and then failure. Fear. Fear manipulating my decisions. 
fear manipulating how I related with Elizabeth and the kids. Fear of everything. And as God began to give me unconditional love and began to tear that junk out of me, it changed me. Changed who I am. Changed where I'm going. Changed our generational line. It changed everything. You say, how do you get there? Let Him love you. Let Him impart love to you. Let Him tell you how much He loves you over and over and over. And if you only get one revelation from the Father, get that He loves you. Because everything else comes with that because He is love. If you can't get that, you'll never understand the Father. You'll not understand His faithfulness, His goodness. You'll not understand His ways. People have got it backwards. They've tried to do all that without understanding His love. When I get to a hard question, like why are people dying when we're believing? I can land on, I know you love us and that you're good to us. And it answers everything. Say, well, that's a cop-out. No, that's biblical understanding of the love of God. But it's also revelation that it's not only out here, it's in me. 1230. So we're going to do some revelations here. Now it's going to get raw for you. I just feel like God's wanting to to impart some things to us today. I'm going to do something really quick because I just the Lord has been on me since about 930 about this. If there's anyone in here that's lost a child or lost a loved one that they are in brokenness about or in pain, I feel like God wants to he wants you to stand. He's going to begin to release hope to you today. Come on. It's your day. Yeah, it's your day. Father's Day has been your day multiple times. It's all of your day. Because it's time for hope. Not some week, I wish it hadn't happened. I'm talking about hope. Hope in God. Hope in a future. Prisoners of hope. Throw me in a pit, I still have hope. Put me in the worst situation, I'll rise to the top because of the hope that's in me. I'll turn it till I turn it into butter. Hope. So here's what I'd like you to do. Just, oh man, whew. Tom, I'm not going to let you do this one for Micah, okay? I know God's wanting to pour out some hope here. The fathers, on Father's Day, we don't give flowers, we give work. So I need some fathers to go stand around these five that are standing up right now. This does not have to be long because it's going to be powerful. So as you're surrounding those dads, fathers, give away some hope. Hope in Jesus. Hope in the future. Hope. Hope beyond the pain. We say to pain, now you have to go. And like some heroes of ours said, we will not live sad and we will not live mad. We will live alive. And we will not attribute the works of our enemy to the works of our, of our king. We will not. We refuse to. So we give hope now. We impart hope supernatural impartation of hope. More than we can give in the natural, more than that can come out of our brain, our spirit man imparting into their spirits. Hope. All right. Now for for some of you that we started with, that you're like, man, I didn't have any of that. I had someone tell me, as I, they were like, they were being super honest. They were like, I hate it when you talk about your dad because it makes pain come up in me. And I was like, I'm sorry. It's part of my life. But it's not intended for pain. It's intended for breakthrough. It's intended to give away what you need. So if you're in here today, hey, fathers, I need you all to wrap that up. 
on the front row, I'm talking to you. If you're in here today and you're like, man, I have areas of my life that need impartation of a father. And listen, this is not just about need. Uh, Most of what I got was because I wanted it. I didn't know I needed it, but I know I wanted it. And God said, that'll do. I'll give you exactly what you need. And if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Okay, dads, fathers. Uh, Wait. Before you go, I think there's more of you. If you want it, you can have it. This is not an indictment on your father, on the way you were raised. If there is something that says, I want more, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. I want more. I want, I want everything that I'm called to have from fathers in my life. Some of it is just saying yes to fathers. Because if we can't have fathers, we can't be children. Uh, I would just love a dad to go a father. Anyone can be a dad. We need fathers. I'd like fathers to go stand with someone who's standing right now. If you did not have someone stand with you, raise your hand. Because God's going to deal with abandonment in here right now too. Okay, dads. Now, this is one of the things I wrote down that Dave taught us. Give people what they need, not what you think they need. Give them what they need right now as a father. If it's a hug, Keith, give them a hug. If it's love, if it's affirmation, if it's a prophetic word, if it's just love, if it's just you looking in their eyes and say, I'm proud of you. Give them affirmation. We just now welcome Abba Father to give us what we need. Everyone in here, standing, sitting, fathers, everyone in here, every person receiving what they need today from the Father. The impartation of the love of God. His unconditional, never-ending, reckless, wild, abandoned love for us. He came running with a ring and a robe. He came running. He's still running. We just receive who you are today, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, and it's love. Come on, dads, I want you to break some lies off now. I want you to just begin to refute lies. We just refute the lies of the enemy. Say that I'm not good at having dads. You are after today. I'm not a good child. Yes, you are. That's contrary to the word of the Lord. Live from it. Expect it. All right. Joe, give me one more minute. I got one more minute. Amen. I want your permission so it's powerful. Give me one more minute. All right, Micah, stand up. Shh. Three or four years ago, one of those two, on Father's Day, you stood here in someone else's shoes and God told you you're great. You responded like a champion and the enemy tried to come derail you. But as a body of your family, we call you great. We give you unconditional acceptance and love. We call you mighty. The greatest of the race. The biggest of the race. That's always been your word because you're great. Yeah, you're gifted at all kinds of things, but that has nothing to do with what God's saying today. He calls you great. He calls you mighty. He calls you accepted. Now, I want to do something. We call you mighty. We call you great. We call you loved. We call you protected. We say, devil, no more. No more. We say, you're a son of this house. And we say, get off our land. 
We say to the enemy that's been lying and stealing from you, we just say it will not be a a great void, but it will be a breakthrough. And you are going to give away so much victory in people's pain. Your greatest tragedy right now will become your greatest victory. So I've tried it before. Try again. I don't know what to do. Fall in his love. It's not fallen on a sword. It's fallen on his love. Our children will be mighty in the land. And the upright generation will be blessed because of what God has done in them, through them, and with them. We call you mighty. Not because of anything you will ever do. Because of who you are. Now we just say fill them up. Fill them up. Fill them up with Awesome. Well, wow, today was an amazing day. An amazing day for fathers, an amazing day for the Father. And just as as we close today, if there's anything you need prayer for, we're going to have teams up here. Anything you need prayer for, you're welcome to come up to the front. And I just want to leave you something with something, just something fun to do today. Um, when you get home, just as Dad was talking, he was talking about what fathers in his life imparted to him. And I want you to go home and I want you to think of fathers in your life and what they imparted to you. And just tell them. And tell them thank you. And just, y'all have a great day. We are officially dismissed. Um, I think, yeah, Tim and Elizabeth are going to be in the back. If you've never met them, they would love to meet you and talk to you and get to know you a little bit. So y'all just have a great day and be blessed.